0: The next seven weeks, we're going to be talking about wisdom. For the next seven weeks, we're going to be talking about wisdom. There's notes on the back of your North Point Weekly, if you want to flip that over. And there's four words. There's going to be filling, but there's four words I want you to think about. I want this to be super-duper practical for you, right? When you think about wisdom, I want it to be so practical. And there's four words I want you to write down. I want you to write down person. Everybody say person, I want you to write down pursuit. Say, so everybody say pursuit, good job. Okay, let's try it again, person, person. Pursuit, pursuit, practice is the third word, Ricky. You're not writing it down, Ricky. Practice, write that down. Person, pursuit, practice, everybody say practice. Practice. And then the last word is purpose, purpose. right? Every time you think about a decision that you need to make or a choice you have to make and you think like, I need wisdom. I want you to think of those four words. I want you to think of the word, when I think, oh, I got to make a choice, I got to make a decision. I need wisdom here. I want you to think of the word person. And then, I want you to think of the word pursuit. And then I want you to think of the word practice. And then I want you to think of the word purpose. And we'll talk about why those four specific words in particular this morning. Person, pursuit, practice, and purpose. So just so you all are aware, we're doing this whole church curriculum the next, you know, this, this year we're really focused on. We've been trying to do this already, but we're just dialing in a little bit more, a little bit tighter. So whether you are in here on Sunday mornings, whether you're the junior high, whether you're high school on Sunday nights, whether you're in kids' church, whether you're in the nursery, wherever you find yourself in church, every Sunday we're going to have the same passages, the same heartbeat of the passages, and a lot of the same points that we're going to talk about. So when you go home and you have a kid and you see Olivia, you can say, Olivia, what did you guys talk about in kids' church today? And she's going to say, oh, if she was listening, oh, we talked about wisdom. And then you can talk to your kids or grandkids about, well, what is it about wisdom? And hopefully there will be some, you know, some of the same things that we talked about uh, throughout our church, okay? So next seven weeks, we're going to talk about, um, about wisdom. And if there was ever a person that needed to be here this morning, if there was ever a person that needed wisdom and that needed to be here, it was this guy. This guy right here needed wisdom. Anybody know who wasn't in first service? Anybody know who this person is? Nobody knows who this guy is. Well, we'll just call him Larry, okay? Because that's what his name was, right? Come on, you guys. (laughs) Jeez Louise, everybody's a little slow this morning. So his name is Larry. This is a true story. I'm not making it up. Fact is better than fiction. Larry uh, was a truck driver. Great profession. Loved what he did. He's a truck driver. Lived out in California in the Los Angeles area. And um, Larry had a dream. And his dream was to, you know, kind of, you know, see his community you know, from up above. He's just not, you know, he's driving a truck. He liked to be you know, like to be up above. i like to see now I would have thought, well, get on a plane and fly. That'd be a fun idea. <clears throat> not Larry. Larry, in 1982, Larry decided to go to the store along with his girlfriend of 15 years. They went to the store and they bought 45 helium hot air weather balloons. 45, true story. They bought 45 weather balloons. Apparently, he did some side work and, you know, he said, oh, this is this is for some studio and had some fake receipt. And so they, they, they sold him 45 weather balloons. Then he went home and he got a whole bunch of helium and he filled up those 45 weather balloons with helium and he tied them to the back of his Jeep. And then... He got a lawn chair out, right? He got a lawn chair out and he tied those 45 helium balloons to his lawn chair. True story, I'm not making this up. Fact is better than fiction. And he decided to put a parachute on just in case. And he went back inside and he got a few beers and he got a couple of bologna sandwiches. And then he went back outside with his girlfriend and he sat down in his lawn chair and he cut himself loose from his Jeep. And Larry started to float up. Not slowly, but very rapidly. And Larry didn't go up 100 feet Larry didn't go up 200 feet or 500 feet. Larry didn't go up 1,000 feet. But Larry went up to 16,000 feet in his lawn chair with his healing balloons. I think we got another picture. There he is. (laughs) His lawn chair is actually at the, the Smithsonian Museum. Like, it's the real deal. That's the real lawn chair. You can see he has milk jugs on the side and use them as ballast. And he got in his lawn chair. He floated up 16,000 feet, not just for two or three or four or five minutes, 45 minutes later at 16,000 feet, all of a sudden he drifts into the air pattern over LAX. And a Delta pilot radios the tower and says, "Uh, there's a man in a lawn chair at 16,000 feet. What do we do? I mean, if there's somebody who needed wisdom, Larry's the person. He needed wisdom. And thankfully, he had a BB gun, and he began to, after 45 minutes, he began to shoot several of his um, healing balloons, and slowly began to descend until he dropped his BB gun. And then he had to wait until he was, until the, I don't know, he had to wait. Then finally, um, he landed in the backyard of a, of a person. And I don't know how, but he didn't die, hit power lines and all over Long Beach, California, the power went out everywhere because of Larry. Oh. True story, he's, he's inspirational. <laughs> A reporter met with Larry afterwards and said, "Hey, why Larry, dude, why did you do what you did?" And this is what he said. He said, "It was something I had to do. I had this dream for 20 years, and if I hadn't done it, I think I would have ended up in the funny farm." He said, "A man just can't sit around." Larry Walters. A man just can't sit around. If there was ever a person who needed wisdom, it was Larry. He quit his job. He goes on all the talk shows. He ends up leaving his uh, girlfriend of 15 years. And sad story, in 1993, as he was sitting in a national park in California, he was in a park, and he pulled out a gun, and he shot himself in the heart, killed himself. Wisdom. I mean, Larry thought that would change his life. And he was someone who needed wisdom. Just a true story. Now, you know, I don't know what kind of choices or decisions or challenges are going on in your life. But I imagine a group this size, those who are watching online, that there's a lot of you right now in your life that would say, man, I need to get wisdom. I really need wisdom because I'm facing some things in my life and I'm just not really too sure what to do. And how do I have wisdom in these situations? And so as you're thinking about this, that this morning, I want you to think about the person and I want you to think about um, pursuit and practice and purpose. There's several passages of scriptures that we're going to go to this morning and kind of, you know, work through to help us kind of, fit those words in and, you know, apply them to our lives about wisdom. You know, wisdom can feel so um, mystical, right? And it's not meant to be mystical at all. It's not meant to be like that at all. It's meant to be very knowable and understandable how to have wisdom, what it means to have wisdom. There's a story in 1 Kings chapter three, chapter 3, and you can flip there if you want your Bibles, or you can look on the screen, and sometimes I feel bad about having it on the screen because I feel like I'm enabling you guys. But, you know, um, 1 Kings chapter 3 tells us a story about a guy named Solomon. Solomon was the third king in Israel, right? And he um, was, t- uh, most scholars, theologians tell us that he was about 20 years old when he became king. So it was not a kid. I mean, he was a young man, but definitely not a kid. And he becomes king, and he has a dream one night. And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting what can happen in dreams, and he has a dream. Honestly, you know, the times I felt like God has spoken to me clearest in my life, I could tell you specifically about specific dreams that that's when I felt like God has spoken. I don't know why. I feel like something just kind of drops, and my guard drops, whatever. I feel like God speaks to me clearest in dreams. Solomon has a dream where he feels like God God is speaking to him. And this is what it says as the writer of 1 Kings tells the story, records what happens to King Solomon. It says, Solomon loved the Lord, and he followed all the decrees of his father David. Except that Solomon also, or two, offered sacrifices and burnt incense at the local places of worship. The most important of these places was at Gibeon, So the king went there and he sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. That night, as he's there, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream. And God said to Solomon, What do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. Solomon replied, God, you've showed great favor, or you've shown great and faithful love to your servant, my father, David. Because he was honest and he was true and faithful to you. And you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father David. But I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and so numerous They cannot be counted. God, give me an understanding heart so I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. God, give me an understanding heart so I can govern your people well and I can know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you've asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has, has had or ever will have. I will also give you what you did not ask for, Solomon, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. So there's a couple things I want us to, I want you guys to notice there in that passage. Six different times, I think we we'll have them highlighted, Jesse, in the next slide there. Do you notice all the different times that Solomon talks about God? He says, God, you have done this. You have shown great faith, God. God, you have continued to show great faith love, great and faithful love, God. You have made me king, God. These are your people. These are great people of yours. Six different times in this passage. Solomon always is going back to God and referring to God and talking about the things that God has done. Solomon recognizes that this job of ruling and reigning and that God is the one who gives wisdom. Matter of fact, that's the first filling when we think about the source of Wisdom. The source of wisdom is God. Wisdom comes from God. If you Google wisdom, you know, all these different things will come up in all these different lists, but rarely have I gone and Googled wisdom and said, where does wisdom come from? And people write, well, you know, um, what's that one book? The Motorcycle Mechanic book. What's that one? You guys know that book? Oh, you guys. Oh, okay. Anyways, all these books, Right. But rarely do people come back and say, Oh, yeah, God is the source. And all through this passage, Solomon's talking about you, God. It's all about you, God. You're, you are the source, God of wisdom. Matter of fact, I want you guys to say this, I'll say it, and then you guys will say it. True wisdom comes from God. Now, you guys say that. True wisdom comes from God. True wisdom comes from God. God is the source of all wisdom. It's so interesting, this passage. Someone's like, God, I'm seeking you out. I'm not, that's, that's the most important thing, God, for me to get your wisdom, to do your job, what you've called me to do, to know the difference between right and wrong. You notice there's this humility in Psalm, like, God, I can't do this without you. The decisions, the choices, the task is way too big for me. He has this sense of humility, and he asks God for wisdom. Even though he's 20 years old, he's like, I'm, you know, I don't know. I don't know my way around these choices and these decisions. Solomon knew that God was the source of wisdom. About two weeks ago, I was um, I was at the Y, and I like to run at the Y on the treadmill, even on nice days, because I like to be able to watch TV, and it's just kind of, you know, I can just do my thing, and I'm walking in, and, And there was this uh, older gentleman that was walking in and there's a kind of a side door and and you got to have a pass to get in the side door. And he kind of walks in after me and he's trying to have a hard time. And so I just started making conversation with him. And he's probably in his late 70s, maybe early 80s. And he had on scrubs, uh, surgical scrubs, right, from the hospital, whatever. So we're walking up the steps and, you know, I'm like, oh, are you, uh, uh, you know, are you in the healthcare?" He's like, yeah, I'm a a retired um, surgeon. I said, oh, okay, well, you know, whatever, and that's cool. And so, you know, and just kind of chit-chatting a little bit. And, I'm, and I knew he wasn't from, a, from the U.S. I could tell there was, he had a different accent. I said, so are you from the U.S.? No, I'm, no, no, I'm from Pakistan. And I said, oh, wow, that's great. And then, so he started asking me questions. I told him I had my first grandbaby in the middle of December. And he said, oh, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Congratulations. He said, my father used to always tell me two things come too late in life. Now, this is like a 70-some, 80-year-old person. He says, my my father used to always tell me two things come too late in life, grandkids and wisdom, (laughs) right? And I, I don't want us, like, you know, grandkids say, hey, we don't have any choice, you know, whatever about that, but right? But all of us, whether you're 15 or whether you're 75, we all need wisdom, and we can all get wisdom because God is the source of wisdom. God is our source. He's the true source from where wisdom comes from. When you ask your kids when you go home today, say, where does wisdom come from? And they say, well, wisdom, of course, Mom, Dad, wisdom comes from God. He's our source. Solomon recognized that. I want you to think about, I told you in your next film it says the person of wisdom. I don't want you just to just think about, again, wisdom as being just some mythical thing but what God is not just a source of wisdom but I want you to think and I always want you to know that wisdom is a person and that person is Jesus that's why you know you notice that our kind of our logo for this series it has the word wisdom it has a crown because every time that you think about wisdom I don't want you to just think, oh, well, God's a source. Wisdom comes from God. But actually, Jesus is wisdom. So when I'm saying, God, I need wisdom, I'm actually saying, Jesus, I need you in my life right now. I need you, Jesus, right now to help me with this situation. Wisdom is a person. It's just not this thing out here. It's a person. And that person is Jesus. Look at how the Apostle Paul writes in in the New Testament. There's a little bit more revelation and understanding, right, where we see this clearly. It says, to those called by God to salvation, that's you and I if you're a follower of Jesus, to those called by God to salvation, whether you're Jewish or you're Gentile by birth or, you know, growing up, it says to those people, Christ is the power of God and Jesus is the wisdom of God. Jesus is the person wisdom. Every time the Bible talks about wisdom, you know who it's really talking about? It's talking about Jesus. Old Testament, New Testament, it doesn't even matter. Jesus is wisdom. Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 and 3. The Apostle Paul puts it like this. He says, talking about followers of Jesus, he says, I want them, you and I, to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want us, I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In Jesus, in him, in Christ, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Every time I talk about wisdom or think about wisdom, I'm actually talking about not God just being the source, but I'm actually talking about Jesus. That's why there's that little crown there because it always points back to Jesus. So when I ask for God, would you give me wisdom? I'm actually saying, Jesus, would you come in and would you guide my life and reveal your plans and your purposes, your intentions to me? There's several different translations of Colossians chapter 2, but I realize it's too small to read. It's really good. You guys, go home and you can read it later on yourself. Just go look at different translations for Colossians 2, 2 through 3. It's really good. I wrote in my notes mystical, the word mystical. So often we think of wisdom as being this, again, this ethereal, this really mystical thing. If you look up the definition of mystical, it means this. Having a spiritual meaning or a reality that is neither apparent The senses, nor obvious to the intelligence. Like, that's not what wisdom is not supposed to be, not obvious. God wants to make his wisdom known to you through Jesus Christ, and it's not supposed to be mystical, right? Where it's not apparent to your senses. God wants to make wisdom where it's very obvious to you. Now this is this is for free. I didn't tell first services, but you can write. Um, sometimes we talk about, well, how do I hear God? Is He speaking wisdom to me? Write in your notes. I know you, I'm giving you a lot to write, but write five. The number five. Write five CS, comma S's. So five CS's, right? Because it's supposed to be really obvious when God gives me wisdom. And oftentimes I tell you guys this all the time. You guys should know this, right? When God speaks to me, He sometimes He speaks to me through commanding scripture, that's a CS. commanding scripture. Sometimes God speaks to me through a compelling spirit. It's like I have this, this, my knower on the inside knows that God is speaking to me, leading me, guiding me, but doesn't doesn't compete with commanding scripture, right? Sometimes he speaks to me through the counsel of the saints, through other brothers and sisters, right? People who are mature in Christ, right? Sometimes there are even kids that God will speak to because they hear from God. Sometimes he speaks to me through common sense. That's another C, like, duh, like, right? This is super obvious what, you know, right and wrong here. Sometimes God speaks to me through um, what we like to call circumstantial signs, right? Some people call it coincidence, but coincidence is just simply God trying to get your attention. There's nothing mystical about wisdom. God is a source, Jesus is the person. Wisdom is a person, Jesus. I think the next slide, I want you guys to say this with me too. This is a feeling. Wisdom is not about what you know, but who you know. Someone say amen. amen. I mean, come on, guys. Wisdom is not just information. It's not about information. It's about a person. That's what wisdom is about. Wisdom is not about what you know, but who you know. Wisdom is a person, Jesus. The next fill-in is the pursuit of wisdom. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. The writer of Proverbs, again, Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs, but not all of them, but most of them. And he's going to talk about pursuing Jesus. He's going to talk about pursuing wisdom. God is the source. Right? And listen to what he says about pursuing wisdom. Because wisdom just doesn't happen by osmosis, it just doesn't fall in your lap. The writer says, My child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Right? There's this aspect of, okay, being patient, coming to God, asking God, listening to God, knowing what he says, treasuring it like, oh, this is important. He says, Tune your ears to wisdom. Who is that? Jesus. Concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight. Ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them. You see this pursuit that we have going on. And a lot of us, we're just not really pursuing wisdom. We're not pursuing Jesus with this situation in front of us. When you do that, there's this cause and effect. It says, then when you cry out, when you search, when you ask, when you listen, when you tune your ears, right? Then you will understand what it means to fear the Lord. And you will gain knowledge of God. Like, whoa, that's really big. When I do this, when I pursue wisdom, Scripture says that I'm going to gain the knowledge of God and I'll understand what it means to fear the Lord. Now that word, fear of the Lord... So it's, there's, there's a healthy fear and there's an unhealthy fear. Unhealthy fear is uh, the Greek word phobos, which we get the word what? Phobia, right? And that, you know, phobia is when there's this, there's a unhealthy uh, preoccupation um, or uh, an exaggeration of reality with how you feel about reality, about the situation, Right? And one one guy, we were actually doing um, in my in one of my groups that I do, and we were studying this week. And it just so happened coincidence, right? Ha ha! That we were actually in Proverbs this week, and and this guy named Nikki kind of talked about fear and this unhealthy fear. And he said, unhealthy fear, phobia, is false evidence appearing real, right? False evidence. Like I, I, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I'm petrified. I have a phobia of spiders. Like I. It's gross, right, (laughs) right? You guys know what I mean. I don't care how small it is. I mean, I'll take my shoe off. My daughter's even worse. Like, it's like, I think people are dying when she sees a spider, but you know, it's just like, I take my shoe off, I'll just beat that thing until it's just, I think I'm gonna die too, right? That's not, okay, That's that's not the kind of fear the Bible's talking about. Solomon says, when you pursue Jesus, now is God going to reveal Himself to you, but He's going to reveal what it means to have a fear of the Lord. A fear of the Lord. I think we've got the um, I think we've got it on the screen. I put on there the pursuit of wisdom, fear of the Lord. We have it. There it is. Yep. You can write this down. This is the filling. Fear of the Lord is the healthy respect or honor or reverence. Fear of the Lord is a healthy respect for God's definition of good and evil. Learning those boundary lines and not crossing them. Like, oh, you have a fear of the Lord? Are you afraid of God? No, no, no. I have an awe or honor or respect for God's definition of this is good and this is not good. This is what's best for me. This is not what's best for me. That's part of fear of the Lord. And then it's learning those boundary lines and choosing not to cross them. That, my friends, is a wise person. It involves both those aspects. That's what it means to fear the Lord, is to know what God says, have an all honor, respect for it that's played out in the fact that I'm not gonna cross those boundary lines. That's a wise person. That is wisdom. God is a source. Jesus is a the person. There's this pursuit of wisdom that we have to have in our lives, right? There's a pursuit of wisdom in our lives. Proverbs one twenty, one thirty two, and thirty three. This is this is kind of from the message. It's more of a paraphrase, right? And this is what the, how they paraphrase it. it says, because you hated knowledge. And because you had nothing to do with the fear of the Lord, now you guys know what fear of the Lord means. Because you hated knowledge and you had nothing to do with fear of God, because you wouldn't take my advice and you brushed aside all offers to train you, well, you've made your bed, now lie in it. You wanted your own way, now how do you like it? Don't you see what happens, you simpletons, you idiots? Carelessness kills, complacency is murder. First pay attention to me, and then relax. Now you can take it easy. You're in good hands. Not with all states. All right, first service like that one, but you guys, okay. Fear of the Lord, right? Again, in our, in our quiet time, our devotion this week, this guy named Nikki, he kind of came up with that little fear, F-E-A-R, right? He said this about fear of the Lord. He says, no coincidence that as the fear of God has decreased in our society, all other fears have increased. He's like, yeah, as fear of God has decreased, everything else has increased. The pursuit of wisdom. The person of wisdom. And then we're going to talk about the practice of wisdom. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 and 25. Right? I already told you guys this, but there's a practice of wisdom. Jesus tells about two people who build their house, right? And he basically says, Well, he says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its found, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine same thing and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand the rain came down the streams rose the wind blew against it and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash guys just like listen the difference between a wise and a foolish person is not whether or not you're hearing it's not even whether you're understanding but the wise person is the one who says, oh God, I know what you say about good and evil. I hear you. I respect that. And I'm not going to cross those boundary lines. I'm going to put into practice what you say, what's revealed to me. As I look at the five Cs, as I look at your scripture, I'm going to put those things into practice, God. It's not just this information, but there's a practice of wisdom. And you can ask yourself that question. Am I practicing wisdom in my life? Ephesians five fifteen through 17 says this. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise, live like a wise person. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. That last one, understand what God wants you to do, and it's not on your feeling. But I told you to write the word purpose. You know what the purpose of wisdom is? What do you think is the purpose? Why does God want to give you wisdom? Is it so you can be healthy, wealthy, and wise? So people can think that you're whatever, blah blah blah? No. You know what the purpose of wisdom is? So you can serve God. That is the purpose of wisdom. So that I can serve God. I think, Jesse, we have those there, right? I respect God. I have this fear because I obey. I put it into practice because I obey what Scripture says. And the purpose of wisdom is to serve Him. So the decision, the choice that you have to make, the challenge that you have to make right now, you have to say, Jesus, you're you are the person of wisdom, God, you are the source of wisdom. I'm pursuing you, Jesus, in this situation, and the reason I'm pursuing you is because I want to serve you. What do I do? God promises He'll speak to you. He promises, if you will ask, He'll give you wisdom. Isn't that incredible? That last feeling, Dave's going to close this. The last feeling is, I can be wise because Jesus lives in me. Oh, isn't that so good? I can be wise because Jesus lives in me. I can be wise because Jesus lives in me.